Outdoor Sports, Day Drinking with Don and Dustin. I'm Don. And I'm Dustin, coming to you live from Lubbock, Texas. And London, England. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome everyone to D4 Sports, episode number 24 on this fine February day. Uh, I am Don here with Dustin. I am in St. Louis. I can still. actually, I'm still, you know, still hanging out with Alice and and Claire and the and the rest of the family. And I can actually see some sun outside today. Uh, how about Very you, nice. Dustin? Where where you are Lubbocky, right? Yep, usually in Lubbock. Uh, it is still uh, brisk here. Um, so, but it is sunny. It actually has been in the 90s. For a few days, but yesterday it was wow. windy and cold. I mean, not 90s, sorry, 70s. Big difference. Like, Whoa. Big <laughs> difference, my bad. Yeah. 70s, right. um, which is beautiful here because no wind in 70 is, to me, is perfect temperature. Um, That's pretty good. But it yesterday was 50s and windy, so. Yeah. Well, it's been in the 50s, I think, here. And for our UK listeners, that's Fahrenheit, of course. Um you know, uh, but in the 50s, I think it maybe touched the 60s a couple of times. So it's still been cool, but we've had some sunny days, which is nice. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things, uh, the UK, that it's not terribly cold, but boy, in the wintertime, you don't see the sun a lot. Um, not only are the days just real short, but, you know, just uh, quite cloudy as well. But uh, yeah, so here we are, both of us again in the U.S. for uh, probably a couple more weeks now. I'm going to be here yeah, probably about another two weeks and then we'll uh, <clears throat> head back to London. But um, so, you know, for me, it's, you know, I, I my employer uh, graciously allows me to uh, work remotely uh, so I could come and spend important time with my family. But I'm basically working UK hours. So I'm up early and my workday ends at about noon. So uh, I'm going to pop a cool Ooh. one right there. I was I about little- to ask little Civil Life Brown Ale, which uh, is a lovely uh, St. Louis brew or a local brew up here. And I'm not sure it's actually St. Louis, but that's one of here. It's a, it's a nice drink. A, so I'm going to have a brown ale. I'm going to have a little lunchtime pint, if you will. Well, there you go. How about I, you? Uh, I've got uh, two drinks that I haven't haven't tried yet. Um, oh, okay. This first one, it's and I do not have a sparkling water today. Oh, wow. We are go- breaking new ground, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm trying to branch out. I do have mm. some new sparkling water up in the fridge, but we can hold on to that. Next, next time, time. Next time. Yeah. So I just grabbed a drink just because of the name of it. Uh-huh. De La Calle Tipache. It is a fermented beverage of Mexico. Oh, <clears throat> global. Global reach. Yep. It's got, My. you know, probiotics, certified organic with vitamin C. Uh, uh, mine has, but, uh, let me see, what's the alcohol content on here? <laughs> probably, probably five point, probably five. That's what I got. Wheat. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt barley. you. Barley. <laughs> Brown ale. Yeah. The, the flavor is cactus prickly pear. Ooh, prickly pear. So, and then when I finish that, I always have two drinks. Yep. This one I am um, uh, going on a, on another branch here because of our uh, famous friend and cousin Matt Houchin. 
Oh yeah. Um, I went ahead and got another kombucha. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Big Easy Kombucha. Oh. It is dragon fruit and guava. Well, b- the Big Easy. So you're you're full. Of, you're channeling your Mardi Gras, I guess. That's right. That's right. Yep. Here pretty soon, I may uh, be needing some beads. Um, but <laughs> that's why we don't do the video YouTube. There you go. Um, but because of their own labeling, it mm-hmm. says it tastes great. And I figured if they say it tastes great, I might as well try it, right? Why not? Yeah, there you go. I, I, was just I would probably out. try the one that like if they were like, this is awful, but we're still trying to sell it. I would still try that one. <laughs> I think you already have. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and, oh, my, uh, my Civil Life American Brown says, has the beer's rich malt notes of bittersweet cocoa and roasted coffee are artfully balanced with a judicious dose of American hops. All right. Yeah. I walked by, uh, the beer cooler at the store last night Yep. and the first, I just turned to see if there was any new labels. And the first thing I saw was a coffee Porter. Just, oh yeah. Ah, I've had it. I just wasn't ever a fan of the coffee oh, in, no? in alcohol. Yeah, now Kahlua in coffee. Well, now that's well, good. Well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> You gotta have your limits. Oh, by the way, I too have a second drink, a little water, for those who might be concerned of my hydration, <coughs> which I know would be a very small section of our audience who might be concerned about my hydration. But just in case, I am uh, thinking of those things as I enjoy my noontime pint. Very so, good. Anyway, all right. Well, uh, yeah. So here we are. This is uh, February the sixth, episode number twenty-four. Hopefully. Uh, you know, you uh, our good listeners are, are caught up. We had uh, two episodes that we dropped uh, last week. One when uh, I got to really focus on and introduce my lovely new granddaughter. And then last week we did some, or the second, the 23, we did some 2024 predictions. Today, we are privileged to have our first international guest on the show. And again, listeners, if you listen to our kickoff in 2024, you will know that Becca Mowbray won the D4 Bowl Bonanza uh, for, for our Capital One, our Bowl Bash. And uh, so she will be joining us here uh, shortly. And I mean, Dustin, we really could not have teed up a better time for her to join the show, I think. And uh, we'll, we'll get to why when she joins. And then I think, audience, you will appreciate Becca's insights, not merely because she has a, just a splendid British accent, um, which is just wonderful to listen to and breaks up the monotony of us, uh, uh, us uh, good uh, American types, but um, also because she's going to offer some really, I think, vital insight into not only the sports world, um, but I, maybe life in general um, here over the next uh, week, at least. So there you go. I, I need some insight into life. I, yeah, I would appreciate well, I mean, that. <laughs> well, hey, she's going to Cambridge. So, you know, that alone may be, uh, you know, enough for her to, you know, offer us some insight. Is that why you're wearing an Oxford University shirt right now? I didn't even notice. Oh, <laughs> oh. Oh, maybe I did notice. What? <laughs> no, in the UK, they call them Oxbridge. That's the name for like Oxford and Cambridge together. But suffice to say, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Hard feelings, the right word, but I, I well, I guess we'll find out. I guess uh, spirited. I guess we'll see. Oh yeah, spirited rivalry. No, no question about it. But uh, 
But uh, before we before we get to Becca and to the uh, rest of the current sporting events, uh, Dustin, it's time for an opening shot. What do you have for me? Um, I'm gonna kind of dig back into the well a little bit. Um, something we've we've kind of hit on quite a bit. But what I had mentioned before we we really started is that the landscape is continuing to change when it comes to college sports in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was yesterday. If not, it was the day before. Um, Dartmouth basketball team. I don't know mm-hmm. if you heard about this. Mm-hmm. Is trying to unionize themselves um, within the college and the the sports realm of it, saying that they are um, employees of uh, the university um, mm-hmm. and that they should be able to have say in um, monetary gain, um, hours of practice. Which that to me that's baffling. Um, and then how they travel and, um, just, just different things. But I think it was just, it's surprising to see that, that it's going that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there in the past have been teams that have tried to unionize, but this is the first one that's gone a little bit further. Um, and well, now the university can still appeal. Yeah. But, Cause there was a court ruling, right? I mean, the court ruling that did say in fact that the, that the Dartmouth athletes are employees of the university. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. They did say, and, and I guess due to the fact that when, when you're talking about a public university, uh, some of those players, if not m- well, most of those players are on scholarship, right? So it's mm-hmm. not necessarily, uh, they're getting paid by the university itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what kind of happened with Northwestern a few years back when they tried to mm-hmm. do it, they were saying, well, the players are getting, Um, they are getting money, but that money is basically in scholarship funds. So they're getting school paid for, not necessarily Mm -hmm. um, having to pay for it, but then getting monetary gain elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Dartmouth does not offer any uh, scholarship, athletic scholarships to their players. And it being, I'm pretty sure it's Ivy League, right? Yes. I believe that every Ivy League school does not offer athletic scholarships. That is correct, yeah. And that's kind of the, the, the route, like when, with the two schools doing that, the Dartmouth one has veered that way, stating that they are not, uh, that they are employees of the school due to the fact that they're not getting the scholarships. They are yeah, so having to pay their way. Interesting. Kind of a double-edged sword of what the Ivy League does there, right? By not offering athletic scholarships. Obviously, when they have athletes they want, they just throw a scholarship package toward them. It's not like nobody's getting scholarships to go to Harvard and Yale, right? right? But but they're they're not specifically set out as athletic scholarships, so maybe they've opened themselves a uh, a loophole here. I, I I do want to say though it is interesting. I mean, you kind of you thought the practice hours negotiation was an interesting bit, but that seems to fall in line with other sports unions, right? Like the NFL, one of their big whole things on a recent collective bargaining was limiting the number of practices, or at least full contact practices and hours, and that. I mean, that's all set out very specifically. What teams can do right right and i i understand that because in in reading on this it was talking about the nfl you know and how the players union um gets a large say in what goes on right i think just being a college athlete at some point and knowing how many hours i had to put into it and not just that the hours i had to put into it on my own to get Mm -hmm. to where i wanted to be Um, outside of practice itself. Now I know they could still do that. That's a given, but being able to say like, well, we only want to do two to two and a half hours today instead of two a days or, and I know that there's got to be an agreement, right? 
So both parties have to come to the table, talk about it. And it's not set in stone yet, any of this. But I just found it very interesting that um, the college athlete is now trying to, you know, unionize themselves um, in the sense of being the employee of the university. Yeah, well, and, you know, I mean, this goes hand in hand with the NIL deal, right? Um, Right. Athletes. uh, Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I my kids did not go to college on scholarships. They took student loans like a lot of other students do. And I paid a hefty portion. And there's part of me that says when a kid's like, yeah, I'm not getting paid, but I'm getting full tuition. <laughs> I mean, that's like saying, OK, well, I, you know, I I got a free car, but, you know, it's like I don't have to pay for it. Well, I mean, somebody paid for the car. Right. I, I mean, I mean, you're getting that material benefit. Um, but bottom line is when you're dealing with a multi-billion dollar industry, and the only people not really profiting from it are the people who are the, you know, the most involved, you know, the ones that everybody sees and everybody knows. I mean, in a, in a capitalist, you know, society like the U.S., there's only there's only so long you can do that until some of that money starts going to the to the to the players. Right. And I I understand both sides of the argument. Yeah. 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 I really do. Um, but I feel like this, if it continues to go this way, you're going to, I'm not going to say take away from the colleges and then the sports, they're going to be two separate entities, but you're going to do a lot of fracturing yeah. in, in well, the middle. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the whole college athlete has been, you know, a definitely an air quotes thing for at least the major sports, certainly football, maybe basketball to a lesser extent. The other sports, maybe not so much for, but for a long time. I mean, you know, these have really, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, 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 the really talented athletes are there because they have to be, not because they want to be. I mean, they're there because the NFL and the NBA won't take them if they don't do a year, right? Um, or, you know, two years in the NFL's case, right? That sort of thing. So uh, I don't know. It, I, I'm with you. It definitely, it changes things. And I'm not sure it's a change for the better. I just I'm not sure how else you do it when you when 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 the sports entertainment industry gets so big. I I don't I don't know what the option is because the yeah. the faux amateur status is, you know, that's just that's not working anymore. And uh, right. Yeah. Well, like I said, I just went back to the well just because, like I said, the landscape could be changing good yeah. or bad either way. So. Well, that and I mean, and I won't talk about this one now, but I mean, I just saw a story about how, you know, the transfer portal again, I mean, the University of Washington, who made it to the title game, most of their team is gone for next year. Uh, right. You know, their coach, their coach left and now everybody's gone. And so they they might go from, you know, top two in the country to maybe top 50, you know, I mean, which is wild, right? I mean, and they may be number one in the Pac-12, though. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I got two feel-good stories for you. All right. Uh, and this one um, happened right after the uh, the championship game last week. Mark Andrews, did you hear this? Mark Andrews, being a downright good guy, uh, he's flying on the plane, I think, right after the flight or flying somewhere, and uh, a woman next to him starts having a medical emergency on the plane, um, kind of losing consciousness, a couple of doctors on the plane come and start trying to help. They weren't really sure what was going on with her. He leaned over and said, hey, maybe she's in diabetic shock. Mark Andrews is diabetic, offers his diabetes kit. They Turns out that's what it was. They're able to restore her and stabilize her. And uh, 
get her off the plane safely. And Mark Andrews just quietly and humbly walked right off the plane. And, uh, you know, just an all around good guy. So good on you, Mark Andrews. I will. Very um, nice. I'll say that one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another one. And this is one that's interesting to me because the Bills fans, right? The Buffalo's Bills fans, the Bills Mafia, are notorious for just being crazy, uh, wild, rowdy, you know, dr- drunkards, covering each other in ketchup and mustard and jumping on f- folding tables, but also shockingly generous, right? The Bills fans have repeatedly over the years, when something happens, uh, you know, good or bad for their team, uh, and particularly for other teams, they they will go and they will make donations. I'm trying to think. I, I, I've I've only got this one uh, uh, here, the, the the most recent one this year. But there was a was that one or two years ago. There was a somebody who like threw a terrible interception or something, or and and so they went out and like all the fans donated the amount of his jersey to a particular cause, to a charity that he supported, right? That right. sort of thing. Well, they did it again this year, right? So Tyler Bass, their kicker, um, you know, missed wide right toward the end of the game against the Chiefs. You know, did they lose because of that? Eh, you know, you can always go around, but I mean, it was a it was a big miss, right? Pivotal point in the game. That's the, pivotal, that's the blaring the one. Absolutely, right. right. And so the Bills fans all got together and they all went and they started donating immediately after and I can't remember the name of the charity. I probably should have taken a little better notes because it's been a, a little while now. But they um, they immediately went and started donating uh, to a, a charity that Tyler Bass supports uh, in order to offer him encouragement. So, Bills fans, you're nuts. The rest of us look at you and be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to join that a lot of the time. I mean, people who want the Bills Mafia join the Bills Mafia. The rest of us are like happy to stay away. And right. uh, But, you know, the charitable side, you can't dispute it. Um, no. you know, and that's a, that, that is a feel good story. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And good on you. Good on you, Bills fans. So you got another one for me. You got another opening shot? I do. Um, and it, it was, it happened last night. I was watching the, the Miami, Virginia basketball game. Um, okay. and I'm going to ask you if you've ever seen something like this in the realm of sports. Did um, somebody block a shot with a shoe? Cause I have seen that. <laughs> actually no, but, ah, okay. All right. Um, Miami was playing awful. Like, All right. like really, really, really bad. Uh, so bad that they only scored 38 points in the game. And that's the lowest they've ever scored in a game since they brought basketball back to the university in like 84, 85. Okay. okay. There was a timeout called with like eight minutes to go, but they had played atrocious in the uh-huh. whole game. Um, the coach, the, the huddle was on the court. So you're away from the sideline, which is away from the bench, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're having their huddle. And I'm watching the game. And the next thing you know, the announcers are talking about how the coach walked out of the huddle and just went and sat down on the bench and didn't even talk to his team. Just said, I'm just going to sit here. Y'all figure it out kind of thing. And he just sat there, arms crossed, just kind of looking on the court. Now, I've seen where coaches will talk with other coaches away from the huddle and then come yep. back in. I've yep. seen where coaches have been in the huddle and allowed for other coaches to speak. I've seen where coaches have been in the huddle and allowed for players to do the entire timeout to try to figure it out on their own. There are different ways of doing this. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I've ever seen a coach just blatantly walk out of a huddle or not be a part of it in some aspect. Now it's different not being in the huddle and talking to your team or talking to a specific player. 
but yeah. he went and just sat on the sideline. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of got me thinking, I've never seen it. Have you seen something where the coach has just said, I'm done right this second, figure it out on your own. And I don't know if it's a statement thing by the coach yeah. or if it was just like, I'm fed up tonight. Cause I don't think it's a whole season type thing. I think it's yeah, just well, a, yeah. at that moment. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, so I don't think I've seen it in sports. Um, like that. I mean, you, you know, you have times where you hear about, you know, players only meetings, you know, and that sort of thing you hear. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, stuff like that. And sometimes I wonder if when a coach or a manager intentionally gets themselves thrown out of a game, if that's, I, I think unquestionably, I think sometimes it is done to try to spark the team. But right. I don't know if that's a that's the same type of kind of I'm done communication. I, I don't think that is. A, yeah, um, I, I, see I that will say this: I was a I was a teacher for 15 years, and I had one time where I was teaching a class, and um, <laughs> I mean, frankly, it wasn't a very good class. It wasn't a very good group of, of my years of teaching. It was one of my one of my classes I, I like to teach the least. But there was one day in particular where, I mean, they just weren't, they weren't doing anything. And it, this is a seminar style. We're sitting around a table. It's me and like 15 students. I'm asking questions. They're not even pretending to try to answer. And I finally, I got up and I said, you know what? I'm done. I said, I don't come here to be insulted by students half my age. I'm going to lunch. You guys can decide how you want this class to go from here on out. And I got up and I walked out of the class with about five minutes left. And, um, I immediately walked to the principal's office and said, Hey, just want you to know this is what I did. Right. <laughs> and, and, he was, and he was like, well, you put your cards on the table. He goes, we'll see how it goes. And, 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 uh, and I, I, I know I'm not the only teacher that's done that. Um, but I will say what happened for me at the end of the day, I was sitting in my room and a kid from that class came in and he apologized. He said, I really want to say sorry. He said, you're right. He said, we weren't doing anything. He said, you were totally fair to do what you did. And I said, what did you guys do when I left? And he said, you know what? Nobody did anything. Everybody sat there silent until the bell rang. And then we left. He said, nobody left early. He said, it was, and he said, look, he said, I've had other teachers walk out on us before. And that doesn't usually happen. So I took that as kind of a vote of confidence. Obviously I come back the next day and I'm like, all right. We're going to try again. What do you want to do? And they right. came back. So, I mean, it's a risk on the coach's part, right? Um, and I, I mean, I, I use that story as a, a loose parallel because teaching and coaching are very similar types of things, right? Um, right. You're, you're teaching a sport is what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, it's an interesting approach. I mean, if the game's out of, out of hand and the, you know, Maybe it's just I just have to, never seen that. I've been a yeah. part of practices where the team's been kicked out. I've been a part oh, yeah. of practices where certain players have been kicked out. Been a part of practices where the coach is like, I'm done. I'm out of here and walked out of practice. Yeah. All of that. But that's behind closed doors. That's not yeah. during the game. That's not all eyes on you. It just, it just got me thinking is all. And I don't think he meant it to be in a negative sense. I think he was trying to make a statement and Jim Laranega is the head coach at Miami and he is a great coach. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Miami got to the <laughs> final four last year. Yeah, um, yeah. 
so it's not that they don't have a good team or a good coach or anything like that. It just, I think yeah. it just, last night was a, maybe a perfect storm. I don't know. I just, it yeah. just got me thinking is all. Yeah. No, it's an interesting one. And it's, you know, it's, I mean, very much like my principal said to me, I mean, you're kind of putting all your cards on the table, right? Cause the team might just go, well, screw that guy. Right. Unlikely, but you never know. It's, I mean, that's the thing. When you walk away and you disengage, you no longer have control over what goes on, right? Mm-hmm. And so it might go your way and it might not. And I that's a that's an interesting one. And I don't think he's lost the locker room, but like you said at the the rest of that game he's probably not saying much. No. No. I mean, I, I don't know how you come back and say anything after that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, well, I got one other quick one. Um and this will kind of tie us back into what we're going to talk about in terms of sports on this show. Uh, Brock Purdy. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. I might have sent it. To, I think I sent it to you, actually. Is it Cam you know, Newton? Cam Newton comes out and says, Brock Purdy's probably not even the 10th best player on that team. And Brock Purdy, you know, who just looks like a guy who's just going to get up and spit fire and talk trash all day long, right? I mean, of course. yeah. Happy, happy Midwestern Iowa State kid comes up and he says he looks like your local banker oh yeah i I think most of our listeners probably know what brock purdy looks like but yeah let's just say intimidating is not the first word that comes to mind when you uh when you see brock purdy but he says um i may only be the 10th best player on my team but last time i checked there were 90 quarterbacks on nfl rosters and he wasn't one of them mike drop i mean Dang, Brock. Way to bring it, my brother. Yeah, that was uh, that's a bold statement. That's a bold move, Cotton. We'll see how hey, it works but, out for him. But ultimately, the ball is in his hand most of the game. That's a good point. He's got a shot. Brock Purdy firing away on D4. Listeners, we are excited, as excited as can be, to have our, our, our next guest on the call. Uh, this is Becca Mowbray, the D4 Bowl Bonanza champion of 2023-2024, and um, our first international guest. And uh, Becca, welcome to the show. We are just happy to have you. Hello. Thank you for having me. Okay, so Sorry. we heard your voice. Now, you clearly are not American. I am not. I am English. Mm-hmm. If you can tell. It's close. Close. I can kind of <laughs> hear it. You were thinking Australian, weren't you, Dustin? Uh, that, the, yeah, the guy from Australia, or, or lady, that's now in the Netherlands. But it's not that same person. Uh, so, Becca, welcome to the show. Why don't you take just a minute, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be one of D4's top fans. Um, well, I'm Becca, as we've covered. Um, I am one of D4's top fans because I am dating Sam, your son, as mm. you may be aware. Um, <laughs> he got me into the podcast. Um, and through the, the family football picker, which I've got really mm-hmm. into, surprisingly. I knew nothing about football until very recently. Um, and now I know a very small amount, 
<laughs> and I'm, I've got really into following the games, actually, um, which is why I got involved in the college football, um, yep. which I found out the, the trick to doing well is to know nothing about colleges or football. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we, we definitely want to talk about your strategy here in a minute. So don't give that away yet. Because we want to know. <laughs> I'm afraid I already how. thought that was my strategy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, so uh, all right. So yeah. So obviously, you're dating my son Sam. Uh, I had the tremendous privilege of spending a couple of weeks with you over the holidays uh, and Sam with our family. But where are you now? And tell us a little bit about what you're doing because I'm going to say for our, most of our podcast listeners and certainly for the attendees, you know, you're doing different stuff than we do. Um, well, I'm at university at the moment. I'm a student. I study history. I focus on Britain. I'm interested in kind of education history. Um, and I'm about halfway through so far on my course, which is exciting and, and you scary didn't say... because now I have to write my dissertation. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. But, and, you know, I, I wore my uh, shirt uh, actually totally on accident for you uh, at Oxford. Are, are you studying at Oxford? I am not. I'm at Cambridge. So I did ask, like, I asked Nick in Cambridge and Oxford, like, how much are they different or, I don't know, not dislike each other, but is there just that spirited rivalry between the two? There's absolutely a spirited rivalry. It's very spirited. It's <laughs> a lot of it's about, they're both very old universities. Um, Oxford's slightly older than Cambridge. They have very similar systems. And together, in a strange way, they're very different from every other university in the UK. Um, I would say they probably have more in common than they have apart, but that might be a controversial thing to say. <laughs> well, we'll, well we're controversial to... here, so. Oh, yeah. We are nothing but uh, cutting it. Just wait till we get into politics. Actually, we'll, we'll spare you on that. So I, I do understand, because I know you and you've told me, that you uh, do participate in university sports at Cambridge, correct? I do. I, uh, I row for my college. Um mm -hmm. Although I've really kind of drawn it back this term so I can focus on mm. my dissertation. You know, the, mm -hmm. the reason that I'm there, unfortunately, not to row. Um, but yeah, last time I was involved in a fair bit of rowing, did some races, which was really exciting before Christmas. So, mm -hmm. so I, I know there's different, you know, sizes of teams. Are you individual? Are you two man, eight, eight person? How, how, big, uh, how big a team do you row on? I row in an eight. So... Okay. There's our team is actually slightly bigger because we rotate who's rowing on different days. Um, but at any given time, there will be eight of us in the boat, which is surprisingly quite a long boat. I don't think that I really appreciated how big a rowing boat is until I saw mm -hmm. eight people in one. Mm -hmm. But they are enormous. That's got to take some endurance and some strength. I mean, even with eight people getting it, you're you still have the length of the boat to go, the weight of it, and then pushing through water. I could only imagine that that's taxing. It can be. It depends on the weather. If it's really windy, it's quite difficult. Um, mm -hmm. And I used to sit further back in the boat as well. Um, so I used to be in two seat, which is second from the back. And you do quite a lot of steering. So quite often you'll take one stroke by yourself or with the person behind you just to kind of steer the boat in the right direction that it needs to be in. Um, and that can be quite tricky. Or um, we have something else called backing it down as well, where you row in the opposite direction that you usually would. So you push the oar away from you rather than bringing it towards you, which is really difficult mm -hmm. um, because you're not really supposed to be doing that. That's not what it wants to do. <laughs> um, that's really Wouldn't hard. that just stop your momentum almost? 
It's what we usually do when we need to spin the boat round. So one side of the boat will back it down and the other will row normally and you kind of end up rotating. Um, yeah. But it's a lot of effort. I was going to say, I know very little about rowing. I've seen a little bit on the Olympics. I would say the majority of what I know about rowing is from the movie Ben-Hur. I don't know if you've ever seen <laughs> that, but there is a portion of the movie that they do row. And so that's about all I know. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I'll have to now that I know rowing's in it. <laughs> well, it's old. All I, all I got to say is, Rhyming speed, and uh, you know you'll you'll get the get the gist of that. But um, I've always just what do you have a coxswain in the boat? Yes, we do. Okay, I've always wanted to be one of those, but I don't. It's probably I don't. I don't know if that's fun or not. Is that is that like uh, how do you get to be the coxswain on the team? To me, um, it's a lot of steering. It's a lot of having to pay attention to what everyone in the boat is doing and all the boats around you, and trying not to crash. I don't think I could. So do they it. I they steer the boat. Stressful. I didn't know that. I didn't know that they steered. I think oh. so. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, I've look. Never we never tried we could, it. I, I, I'm kind of now fascinated by rowing, and I feel like we could talk about this a long time. But I, I'm going to go ahead and move off of that topic, just because we do have some other things we want to talk about. Maybe we'll have to have you back, and we'll go in. <laughs> you know, hey, actually, Summer Olympics, when the rowing is going on, that'll be a good time. You can. You know, we can watch a match together and you can tell us what they did right and what they did wrong. That's what I was going to say. With the Olympics, (laughs) we could could bring that out. Yeah. How how about like whitewater rafting on the kayak? Can you do that? (laughs) I'll take that as a no. I think the the unfortunate thing about me and rowing is that I'm actually quite afraid of deep water. So adding more danger to water sports is not for me. (laughs) It's like Becca's X Games, rowing in deep water. (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's right. It's scary All right. in shallow water. So let's talk through the D4 Bull Bonanza, right? So you, you had been in the family pick'em league and you joined late. So unfortunately you didn't really have much of a chance because you were 15 behind from the time you started, right? So that was unfortunate, but you did, you did admirably. You kept up, you know, you gained some ground on some of those of us who were maybe coming in toward the back of the pack, like Dustin, um, or maybe me, I don't know. I can't even remember. It's been so long ago. I can't remember the results. But so then, you know, we kicked off the D4 Bull Bonanza and you immediately jumped in when, of course, my son, Sam, did not because (laughs) that's Sam. Because he's Sam. Yeah, exactly. Because he's Sam. How did you go about? I mean, you've you've never seen a college football game, right? No, never. And you you don't really. I mean, surely you're familiar with some of the colleges in the United States, but, you know, you probably looked at that list and didn't know I mean how many of them would you say you knew I thought that I knew quite a lot of colleges in the states yeah. until I looked at that list um <laughs> I think maybe a quarter I was familiar with okay but nothing about their actual football teams or anything about their sports really if I had heard of a college before that was a win for me okay so you didn't even know what color they were. So like, I mean, the standard joke, you know, and it's, you know, very pejorative toward women was that, oh, women just pick the team based on their, you know, who's got the best colored uniform. You didn't even, you couldn't even do that, right? No, I could see the logo. So if they had a nice logo, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> Judging a book by its cover. Got it. <laughs> Absolutely. I Do you understand how many daggers you're just putting through our heart right now? As much time and effort as (laughs) Dustin and I and our friends spend trying to pick winners and trying to figure out who's going to do well. And you're like, hey, if I like the logo, that was a plus. Oi. I'm sorry. And it it just made it harder 
knowing like, oh, this guy's <laughs> going in the transfer portal or this guy's not playing his bowl game or this coach or we thought through all of this. Mm-hmm. And it probably took me 30 minutes to go through the whole thing, maybe a little bit longer just to try to think it out. And it probably took you 30 seconds. <laughs> so that is tough. I'm sorry. Do you, do you know what the transfer portal is? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Okay. Mm. <laughs> All right. So, so, so talk us through it here. How did you do it? How did you make your decisions? I mean, was there any inspiration at all one way or the other or just really like, a, eh, that looks good? Most of them it was, huh, that looks good. Um, okay. If I had heard of a college, I would usually pick them because mm-hmm. I knew who they were. So mm-hmm. that was great. Um, some I had had some interaction with applying mm-hmm. for graduate programs in the States. But again, very limited. Or sometimes I've been on their website and they had a nice website. And that, <laughs> <laughs> that helped. This is... <laughs> There was no strategy. I'm sorry. All right, Becca, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to March now because mm-hmm. there, there will be something we do called the March Madness basketball bracket, right? And so it's very similar, and we'll get to see how you do in that. I only really learned what March Madness was this morning because Sam explained it to me. So I'm coming in with no knowledge whatsoever. And of, and of all the people to explain it to you. <laughs> Well, so get this. I used to, with my kids, I've done it every single year. And even when they were one, I would say I would get like a crayon, a blue and a green crayon and put it in front of them and say, all right, this team is this and this team is this. And they would just, you know, look and pick or grab or throw or whatever. And that's the one that would advance. Uh, I feel like that's how a lot of people do their brackets and they do so much better than the ones that actually try to think it through. That is, um, it's ringing a bell with my college football strategy, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, do you know what March Madness is? It's basketball, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Is that a question? <laughs> it's sort of. I was listening when Sam explained it, I promise. I was listening really Oh, hard. you're listening to Sam <laughs> explain it. Oh, well, now you're in, now you're, you're a shoe in. Oh, my goodness. Well, congratulations. However you did it. You got more picks right than anybody else. So you are the D4 Bowl Bonanza champion, the inaugural D4 Bowl Bonanza champion. And I am uh, thrilled that you thrilled that you played and, um, you know, just glad that you wanted to be a part of it and that you have, you know, developed something of an affinity uh, for American football because it is a great game. And that said, the biggest game of the year, of course, is coming up this weekend. Super Bowl 58. Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers. Let me ask first, who do you think is going to win? I've chosen the Chiefs, but I'm about 50% well, confident. Okay. I didn't ask who you were cheering for because I know <laughs> who you're cheering for. And I think I know why you might be cheering for them. Because there's a young lady that some of our listeners may have heard of named Taylor Swift who has occasionally made an appearance at a Kansas City Chiefs game and shall we say has had a pretty good year and um, I know that you in fact uh, are I guess we would say a fan of Taylor Swift is that correct absolutely the the young lady in question has had quite a substantial impact on my life since the age of about Mm. nine so Mm. Mm -hmm. so you consider yourself the Swifty absolutely (laughs) 
very g- good. G- give me a little more. I mean, when you say she's had a substantial impact, I mean, I, you know, I'm not looking for you to bury your soul because that's not what D4 does, really. You know, unless you want to, I guess. But tell me a little <laughs> more about about your 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 Taylor Swift uh, fandom and connection. Um. My mum bought me a Taylor Swift CD when I was about eight or nine because I think the rationale was that she was a teenage girl writing songs about her life. Um, and she said, you'll like this, give it a go. And she was right. And I never looked back. I must have played that CD absolutely to death. That was fearless. Um, and all my friends loved her when we were in school. It was something that I always had in common with other people my age. Um, and as we've all got older and kind of grown up listening to her, it's kind of been interesting to track how her songwriting's developed and how her life has developed in that context of us all also kind of growing up mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to ask that because obviously artists who have any length of career often change pretty significantly over time. I mean, take Miley Cyrus as a classic example, right? When my daughter was young... You know, Miley Cyrus, of course, was Hannah Montana, right? And my daughter w- loved Hannah Montana. And then Miley Cyrus released the Hannah Montana albums. And then all of a sudden, she came in like a wrecking ball. Well, look at me. Look at me getting hip and cultural. That's only 20 years <laughs> That's old. That's scary. But, yeah, I know it is. It's f- terribly frightening. But she obviously became a radically different stage persona from her early career to her later career. And I... I don't think my own assessment here. I don't think Taylor has Taylor has made quite that much of a of a change or development. But she's not the same artist she was when she started. And so, are you are you more a fan of Taylor now than you were? Or I mean, did you like early Taylor better than late Taylor? Or where are you at? I think I like all of it for very different reasons. She's certainly changed mm-hmm. a lot as an artist. Obviously, she mm-hmm. started out very country, and now not so much. Um, and I love country music anyway, so that was always fine with me, but she has certainly evolved and written some very different music in very different Mm -hmm. periods of her life that Mm -hmm. I enjoy for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I'm not disavowing. Look at the new ones. It's almost, (laughs) it's almost like she's like, you know, uh, an educated, thoughtful academic. She's, I mean, you know, most people are like, yeah, I like it, you know, and you're like, man, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, that went above my head. On Taylor Swift, yeah. I would. <laughs> yeah. So, okay then. So, how do you feel about Taylor and Travis? I think she seems happy. That's great. Um, and she's getting a whole new generation of people, mainly young women, mm-hmm. into American mm-hmm. football, like myself. And I think that's great. I don't think there's much negative you can say about that. So, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think it's great. And it's been really, really convenient for me at the same time that I really needed to develop some interest in American football and any knowledge at all. For Taylor Swift to start showing up to games and for it to be all over my Twitter was really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how many times did you pick the Kansas City Chiefs? Every every game? (laughs) (laughs) Early on, I don't think I was. Um, I really went all in on the Atlanta Falcons for a while, but they kept letting (laughs) me down. So As they are watching yeah. Yes. Okay. Every so time I wouldn't you... pick them, they lost. Um, what? Yeah. Well, welcome to the world of well, welcome to the world of pick them. See, that's you know, I don't want to call it beginner's luck because that would be an insult. But yeah. So just real quick, why the Atlanta Falcons early on? What led you to that? I don't know. Again, yeah. I think I like the logo. 
And I knew yeah, where Atlanta was. Uh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's a big one. What What did you say when you saw Green Bay and you and uh, what was your comment? I think Sam told me. Do you remember what you said when? I I had never really heard of Green Bay, so it was news to me that they were playing football. Mm-hmm. I, I I now know that Green I, Bay is a place and a very successful team. <laughs> Well, I think I think Sam said something that you said something like I didn't know they played football in Wisconsin, which <laughs> apparently they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently so. They do call it Title Town, uh, you know, here, and it's like one of the like iconic football venues. I just think it's fantastic that you had no idea. That's just <laughs> that's so refreshing. That's so refreshing. As long as you don't like become a Cowboys fan or something, you know. I, I think there's a long way to go before. Yeah, I don't do that. Fan. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. I have friends in the UK who know also a limited amount of football teams, and I face quite a significant bit of pressure to pick the Cowboys every week. Mm. Hmm. That seems to be they're America's the team, and a lot of Americans don't like them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, America's team. They, they were America's team in 1984, you know, but anyway, we, we could talk about that for a long time. All right. So, one more one. I, I don't want to, you know, beat the Travis and, and, uh, and, uh, and Taylor horse to death. But is this the one, is she going to get married to Travis Kelsey? It's not for us to say speculation <laughs> on the life of a woman that we've never met is totally appropriate on this show. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, we, we do it every week. <laughs> I know. Well, okay, okay. I have to ask, I, I do uh, have to ask. And it's, it's, it's somewhat of a football question, just not American football. Growing up in England, um, what is your take on Millwall? I used to live around the corner from Millwall. <laughs> That's really absolutely. I used to live in um, that area of London near Rotherhithe, Canada Water sort of place. Um, so yeah, my my local pub was one of the local Millwall pubs. Um, so that's that. really my main interaction with them was that they were neighbors more than anything else. I know you can give blood in their stadium, but that's about it. Did you, you ever can get give blood in their Wolfen? stadium? Yeah, well, yeah, in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah. I was going to say, is that like sterile or is it like... <laughs> I think so, Millwall has a very strong reputation in England that I don't know is necessarily fair. Um, and I have very little interaction with it myself to be able to actually pass judgment, but um, they certainly seem to have a very strong community, which is great. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, we, of course, being newcomers who have adopted Millwall as our team, and as I come to the UK, and I, you know, I, I think we've talked about this somewhat, but every time I tell people, they're like, well, who's your football team? And I say, Millwall, they just shake their head. They don't, they don't even laugh. They don't even think it's funny. They're just like, what's the matter with you? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, win, loser, win, loser, tie, and Millwall till I die. That's all I got to say. So, all right. Uh, you know, those were kind of the main topics I was looking, you know, to cover today. But uh, given that you are a guest on the show, and I should have asked this up front, but are you, are you drinking anything at this point? Any liquid whatsoever? Um, I have some water on my desk. Oh, okay. All right. Good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. You and Nick to... drink alike. <laughs> I am going to a formal dinner at my college tonight, so oh. I'm sure we'll be having a glass of red wine. But oh, that's yeah. So, like, if, if <laughs> and, and and you know, if if you were to you know choose right now, 
I'm going to choose a drink, any drink. What would you pick? Would it just be water or would you just go somewhere else? I don't know, actually. That's a good question. I have been being partial to a gin and tonic recently. That's really resurging in my life in a way that I didn't expect it to. Mm. Those are very popular over in, in, uh, in the UK. Lots and Absolutely. lots of gin and tonics. Yeah. yeah. I think the first drink I had in a pub when I turned 18 was a gin and tonic. Really? I mean, it seems like it should have been a pint, even though, I mean, I, look, I'm totally pro gin and tonic. No judgment there. But I don't know. It just feels like English pub first drink should be a pint. Oh. It should have been. I didn't really start drinking beer until I left university. So yeah, I was very probably, late to the trend. Yeah, that's probably fine. But uh, <laughs> all right. Dustin, you got anything else for Becca? No, I think I asked the questions I, I had in mind. So, well, Becca, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank spending you for a little me. bit of time with us. Um, and, you know, we'll certainly try to do it. We didn't even talk Formula One. I mean, that's a whole other avenue <laughs> that I know you also enjoy Formula One, yes? Yes. Uh, yes, sort of. That <laughs> <laughs> we'll was confidence. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I can't tell if she was more confident in Formula One or in, uh, you know, college football. But uh, anyway, uh, one way or the other, Becca, again, it has been lovely to have you and we wish you all the best. Um, I, will give, I will let you sign us off for this uh this segment great well thank you very much for having me it's been a lot of fun everybody to d4 sports great segment there with becca um you know just a lovely young lady and i'm just privileged that she is chosen to spend time with my son i think she makes him a better person and uh you know we'll see no pressure guys you know obviously i don't want to be that dad but uh uh they've uh, been dating for a while and it's it's been been fun to see that but uh at any rate uh let's catch up on d4 news dustin Fantasy Premier League, we didn't really give an update. Last weekend, You, I, I was looking at the scores. I had a pretty decent week. And all of a sudden, you surged ahead of me and beat me by like 15 points. But I saw you played your bench boost. So, yeah. Yeah, that really helped me out, which did not help me out this week. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you only get to use it once. And that's kind of an interesting feature in FPL where, you know, you, you pick your 11 on the field and you have your reserves. And one week, you can also choose to count your bench points. Uh, right, but didn't you do that this week? I didn't. Oh, but it would have helped me a lot. Yeah, you well, had, so you had quite a bit of points. I yeah, I ended up really strong this week. So we both were coming in to the last game, Man City, and I think Brentford or Bournemouth, whichever where they were playing um, <clears throat> on Monday night. And we were both sitting around fifty, and I think I think I was at fifty three. I think you were at fifty, and you had Holland. I think you just had Holland, right? Or did you have somebody else? I, think uh, just had I had Holland and Walker. Okay. And I had uh, De Bruyne, De Bruyne, how do you say it? Kevin De Bruyne, and uh, Phil Foden. Phil Foden throws down the hat trick and gives me 20 points. I All of a sudden, I, I log on this morning. I'm like, 83. I was like, holy smokes. 
So I, yeah, I, I took you down 83 to 57. Uh, which, which is why means, I thought you played your bench because no, you well, went from right there with yeah. me to substantially yeah. beating me. No, I didn't. And I had Cunha on the bench who gave, it was 17 on the bench this week, but uh, I had some, I had some solid performances across the, across the board. So not too bad, but so I am up 1296 to 1195 um, after week 23, I think that was. So still a few weeks left. I mean, plenty of time. Uh, thank goodness for the NBA, as I went eight and zero this last week, which brings my overall record to ninety twenty eight and two. That's a seven fifty eight. That this week, <laughs> I know you. Did. That's a seven fifty eight winning percentage. Dustin sitting pretty at sixty fifty nine and one, still above five hundred because you got that one tie somewhere. So I am. That puts me yeah thirty and a half games clear of you. Um, but, uh, anyway, we'll have to see what happens in the playoffs. If I can actually close it out. Cause there are two other teams that are, uh, pretty solid. I've, I'm only about 10 or 11 games up on Sam and, uh, I can't remember the other guy, Dave, I think his name is Dave. Dave. <clears throat> um, Oh, Oh, Dustin, I am now a member of whips nation. I like officially signed up for the whip snakes, the Maryland whip snakes, uh, fan club. Um, but, until the 31st of May, uh, I'm, I'm the Boston Cannons because uh, we did see the, the Premier Lacrosse League does come back on February 14th, but that's like the championship series. I think for last year, there's only the top four teams playing, and uh, apparently the Whip Snakes were not one of them. The Water Dogs are, uh, and the Boston Cannons and the California somethings and Redwoods. somebody else somethings. Yeah, and then the eight the racers or anyway. So I'm, I'm on the cannons from February 14th, February 19th, from May 31st onward. I'm, I'm whip snakes, baby. Whip, whip snakes all the way. So I'll stick with the water dogs. You, you may as well, because they're in the championship. <clears throat> so they can't be too bad. So uh, also, and uh, we mentioned this uh, in the segment with Becca, but we will be doing a D4 March Madness contest. <sighs> you know, I mean, I want to do it, Dustin. But well, I know it's a new year gonna... for you. That's true. That's, that's a good point. Good point, but I, I go, just have a bad. the crayon route. I have a bad feeling that Becca is just going to trounce me, and you know, I, I just I don't know how many times I can take that. <laughs> my my daughter, who is thirteen now, but twelve uh, last year, uh, destroyed me. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you know, I'll have to lay my ego aside, and uh, you know, lay the anxiety aside, and enter and do my best, but, uh, not, not confident going in. I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, two other brief tidbits, six nations rugby is underway. First three games, Ireland beats France, 38, 17, England over Italy, 27, 24, and Scotland over Wales, 27 to 26. Some intense competition, all close games, thankfully, uh, going on so far. And after two tests in the India, England cricket match, they are, tied at one apiece so we'll see if england can go forward and uh you know beat india in india for the first time in a long time so so but but um yeah obviously this week's super bowl week and we are going to get to our super bowl predictions we're going to talk super bowl but one of the things uh i was thinking about you know because super bowl sunday one of the biggest party weekends in the u.s so it led me to think Let's do a D4 top four. 
best events at which one might imbibe, right? And I don't want to just say best parties. I mean, it could be that, but I think, you know, obviously kind of, you know, what are the, what are the best times to, you know, throughout the year that, uh, you know, events for drinking and, and I'm going to throw out an honorable mention first because, and I, it's only an honorable mention because I have never really been, but I'd have to say Mardi Gras is probably up there, right? Um, for those who are Mardi Gras participants or carnival, I guess, or carnival, depending on where you are in the world that, um, you know, I've, I've never really been to a big Mardi Gras party or festival, but, uh, I, I, I know what goes on there. And I would definitely say that, that, uh, that seems to be one, but let me, um, I'm going to throw out my number four and then I'll hand it over to you and you can give me a couple of years. My number four would be Christmas parties. Christmas parties. Now, and again, I'm not saying you necessarily want to go get hammered, right? I mean, you know, Mardi Gras, people tend to really, really drink. But I think Christmas parties are a great time, you know, to to have you. You got eggnog, you got, you know, really some nice, warm holiday drinks. You know, it's just a warm time of the season. It's just a lovely time to get together, you know, have some wine, have some champagne, you know, because you can do a formal dinner. You can do kind of you know, let loose party. You could just do a nice gift exchange. I don't know. There's a lot of things about Christmas that I think are good. And I would say Christmas is probably one of those times. What What do you think, Dustin? Give me, give me one. Well, I, I guess I didn't think, you know, in uh, the realm of like Mardi Gras and things like that. So I could throw out an honorable mention of where I have never been as well. Uh, and I don't see myself ever going to, but you know, Woodstock, that's another <laughs> place that uh, people can imbibe and enjoy their time. Oh, okay. So um, probably other wood, things. Are you, you say Woodstock, but are you talking about like music festivals in the general? Music festival. Or? Oh, well, no, yeah. Because I, mean, I was gonna, I was gonna okay. say for me it, that ties into my number four. So ah, Woodstock okay. is like the specific, yeah, um, yeah. one that that is yeah. mentioned there. But sure. number four for me is music festivals in general. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and I've been to a few um, concerts. I'm going to lump that into as well. Um, but, you know, around here, it's a lot of Texas country. Um, we've even traveled some to go to, to hear concerts. Um, but music festivals and concerts and, and those type of things are, um, I mean, you're listening to music and drinking is basically yep. what that is. Uh, so Hang I would out. say that that yep. is a, a large, um, I guess, party slash yeah. event that you would um, you'd be drinking at. That almost made my list, by the way, it was this close, this close. Yeah. All right. Give me another one. Um, I mean, number three, I'll just, I know we're hitting, hitting it big with uh, sports on this show. So I'll stick with that realm. Um, I would say number three is going to be, I know March madness is, you know, it's that bracket, right? It's, mm-hmm. 64 games day one and two, 32 games, 16. So it, it breaks it down. But um, with me being such a big basketball guy and a big um, sports guy, uh, back when I did drink, I would say that the, the final four was um, a big just go to the bar with friends and, and just sit there and watch the games. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a pretty good length of time. One game is what, two, two and a half hours, and then you've got yeah. – 30 minute, 40 minute break in between to allow for warm up, getting teams off the court. Um, and then another one. So yeah. I would say for me, number three would be, you know, like the March madness. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, you know, uh, I, I've never, 
I'm not as big a basketball guy, so I can't say I've ever done the kind of, you know, get together for the final four, but you know, certainly, certainly watched it and enjoyed it with, with plenty of people and uh, over the years, but not a big event, but I'm going to go number three. I am going to go Super Bowl parties because I, and I personally threw a Super Bowl party for probably 10, 15 years at, at, at home. You know, sometimes it was just a handful of people came over. Sometimes we had 10, 15, 20 people there, but I mean, the beauty of football is that it is, you know, it's once a week, you know, during the season. And then you have the playoffs and it all comes down to the one championship game. It's not like the World Series or the Stanley Cup or the NBA where you got a series. You know, it's a best of seven kind of thing. It's all it's all on the line on this one thing. So now, granted, it has become crazy over the top spectacle that just kind of, you know, I could I could I could leave an awful lot of, you know, the the spectacle around the Super Bowl now. But um, but in terms of just events and times to just, you know, sit back, hang out with the friends, a couple of beers, whatever, whatever you want to drink. I remember 28-3, baby, I got to bring the story back. I had a bottle of champagne ready to pop when the Patriots won. And of course, they were down so far. I didn't even take it out until they came back and made it 28-20. And then I had it. But boy, as soon as they scored that last touchdown, kapow, I blew that champagne bottle and we celebrated. So, uh, yeah, I think Becca I picked the Falcons that night too. Well, hey, maybe that's what it was. And then my number two, I would just say spring break on the beach. Spring break or, or just a day on the beach, but spring break in particular for us, because that was a big family, you know, family thing. We'd go down and we would just hang out on the beach. We had uh, several of our, uh, the Woodards, you know, we've talked about John and Ann a lot, you know, uh, you know, loyal D4 fans, good friends of ours and, and some other families over the years would come sometimes family but you well you guys came once didn't you never went no i think you did nope the strands did we did strands went oh sorry sorry man i thought you were there but anyway um yeah great memory though apparently we'd go down yeah no sure it was (laughs) i wonder why my memory (laughs) might have been a little hazy (laughs) could it be that we had spent the entire day on the beach maybe it was but uh yeah, great, great days. Just sit on the beach, relax, you know, work on to think about work for 10 days. All you really got to think about is, you know, make sure the kids don't drown in the ocean. And of course, mine were old enough. I didn't have to worry about that. And uh, what you're going to eat next and what you're going to drink next. So that's pretty good. That's my number three and two. Give me your give me your top two. So my number two, uh, you kind of took as your your number three, um, the Super Bowl. I mean, it's such a big get together. It's such a big, um, like you said, spectacle. But not only is it a spectacle for the people that are at the Super Bowl, it becomes a, all right, we're doing a Super Bowl watch party. All right, everybody here is doing squares. And if you don't know what squares is, we can talk Mm -hmm. about it another time. But there's money involved with it and picking scores and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it just becomes this big get together. You know, Mm -hmm. people are bringing food and drinks and spending time together. Everybody stops to watch the halftime show some of the time um, and just really spending time together and just watching football. Even if you don't like the teams, it's one of those that that get together. And my point on it being my number two, along with the March Madness part of it, you did mention it is the all your chips are on the table. Yeah. You lose, you're done. It is not a it's not like baseball. Where you're like, all right, game five, everybody come over. We're yeah. having this huge party. And then, right. oh, wait, we got game six tomorrow. So yeah, yeah. it's it's not I mean, the you, same. You can get that at the game seven, right? But, you know, but you don't always you get could, it. But I don't think it gets yeah. to that level. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah. And so well, that's let, the thing is, 
Go ahead. Let, let me also stop you real quick because I know we're talking drinking here, but what's your favorite Super Bowl food? If you had to pick one. My favorite Super Bowl food? I like wings. Yeah, I'm going wings too. I, yeah. That's the one time a year I always made. I, I usually would make chicken wings a few times a year, but man, yeah, I love the chicken wings. I mean, I love nachos. Mm. Nachos are a close second because I can make a pretty killer plate of nachos, but. And I almost said nachos too, but I had to, I have to go the wing route. I think we're the same on this one. Yeah. Wings, wings, baby. All right. Um, but yeah, right, that's my your, number two. What's your number one? My number one weddings. Oh yeah. Woo. Right. That is a, <laughs> that in and of itself is just a huge party. Yeah. Um, for the people getting hitched, um, for all family being there. It's like that 40 minutes of, intimate, you know, the vows, the music, the every, everything, that's the spectacle. And then it's like, all right, we're done with that. Let's go party. Yeah. Um, it's the music and it's the, just being around friends and family. And, um, mm-hmm. for me, I talk a lot. So talking to people, I don't know, talking to people I do know. Um, and, and especially more recently our you know, family weddings, having Matt mm-hmm. DJ, um, oh yeah, and just being a part of that and on the dance floor and all sorts. I mean, it, it's just a good time, and it's a, it's it's a space to just kind of let loose, be yourself, and have fun. So yeah. weddings would be my number one. Yeah, weddings a good one. That's a good call. I, I gotta say, I, I, my number one this time is a little. It's very specific. <clears throat> I mean, you could you could generalize it, but but for me, there's an event that's been going on here in St. Louis for boy ten or fifteen years now. And there's a, there's a brewery here called Schlafly Brewery, kind of one of the local microbrews that has grown to be a little bigger than, a, you know, one of these real, these real small ones. But they have been putting on the Schlafly Brewery Stout and Oyster Fest for about 10 or 15 years. And I love oysters and I love stout. And part of me thinks, well, seems like a curious, you know, combination, but it, it, it really... It works. Of course, then they have their oyster stout, which is like, I'm not, not super keen on that one. But they, get to, they fly in like 50,000 oysters from around, around the country, from both coasts. They fly in a bunch of like shuckers, expert shuckers. They have music playing. They've got their beers all set up out there. It's just such a great event. Such a great event. And again, I've been several times with my friends, John, my good friend Jacob. I think I've told the story about you know, making that terrible decision to go and have slingers after the Stout and Oyster Fest. But, you know, I mean, that's sort of like food festival, beer festival. It's just, it's just a great, just a, a great event. And this one in particular, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just something that, I mean, I was looking it up and unfortunately it's not going to happen until March. So I'm not going to be here long enough to, to do it. But, and it's just a tremendous one. And, and my, my buddy, John, reminded me of the last time we went and, we walked into like the main tent and there's a the big shucker contest happening up front. And we look over at, well, I, I think they kind of walked in next to us, but there's two people walking in together and one of them's dressed like a nun and one of them's dressed like a priest. <laughs> now I don't think they were actually a nun and a priest, but then they walk over, they go and they find their seats, having the wasters, drinking their beers being a little too friendly with each other, nothing terribly inappropriate, but you know, when you're looking at a priest and a nun together, you're like, wait a minute, this doesn't, doesn't look like, it. but you know, if the priest and the nun can enjoy it, 
How can I not enjoy it? That's what I have to say. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, you know, ho- hey, hopefully you guys all together, you listeners, you have a great weekend this weekend at the Super Bowl. If you can find a Super Bowl party to be a part of, you know, go do it. If not, just have yourself a nice little celebration all, all, all on your own at home with, with just your family. But uh, we're going to come back on D4. We're going to talk Super Bowl right after this. And I see you are finishing up your, uh, is that your kombucha that you're drinking? That was the kombucha you finished? It was, yes. Does it Actually taste pretty good. As, yeah. I was going to say, you, you drank it all, so that's pretty good. I still got a little little bit of beer left. I mean, I drank the Nojito, so, I mean, I tried to finish what I have. Well, there you go. Well, you don't want to be, a, it don't want to be wasteful, so. Exactly. Hey, so, um, we are going to talk Super Bowl here, but I, I, this, and I had this in my notes and I forgot to say it when Becca was on, but um, I think if Taylor and Travis Kelsey break up, I think I know what the song has to be called. TKO. Travis Kelsey out. TKO. That's got to be it. She's got to write a song called TKO. I think that works perfect. I feel like I, I need to send that to Taylor and say, it hey, It does Taylor, actually work perfect. Not banking on the breakup, but if it does, you know, this is pretty good. So I think that would be a good idea. I think you should do yeah. that. See what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Try, yeah. uh, try to get her on the, <laughs> the podcast. Something tells me that if she was on the podcast, we'd get a couple more listeners. I would say just be like, reach out to her. Say, hey, just 15 minutes of your time. That's all we need. Five? Few questions. Are you kidding? 15? Good gracious. I'd take five. I'd take, I'd take a 90-second, I'd take a 90 second, you know, pre-recorded bit. <laughs> right. Something. <laughs> Yeah, something. All right, Super Bowl, Super Bowl this weekend. So, you know, we've been talking football all year long. Uh, we've, you know, talked at length about both of these teams because both of them, you know, were important teams from the get-go. Kind of favorites, early on favorites. No real underdog here. Um, give me your take. Give me your, give me your, give me your Super Bowl thoughts. Uh, who I think will win and who I want to win are going to be two different teams. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think the Niners are going to win and I've said it just over and over. I think they've got too many pieces in place. Um, mm-hmm. obviously nine better players than Brock Purdy. Yeah, um, well, so you know, there's a lot, <laughs> uh, but I'd like to see the chiefs win. I mean, I'll call me a Homer on this one, but I just want to continue to see Pat Mahomes <clears throat> continue to do well. Um, and basically solidify his, his legacy. Um, and I know he's done a good job of that, but I mean, if he does it with this team, uh, that's there's a lot to be said about that. Um, yeah, yeah. And and being able to take the the offense that he had and kind of get to where he is. Um, but I just think, honestly, I think the Niners just have too much in place on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the the Niners' offense is really really good. And their defense is really good. So I think it may come down to the defense of the Niners versus the offense of the uh, Chiefs. Yeah, I, I think, 
boy. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different angles to the game. Although, I mean, I, I think on paper, I mean, I really do think the Niners win this comfortably. I, I mean, I know I, I don't know what the betting line is. It's probably not more than three three and a half points. But um, I mean, so maybe yeah, I haven't even looked on that. So uh, tells tells you what kind of sports better I am. But um, but I just yeah, I mean, you know, if McCaffrey can run the ball at all, um, then I think. You're in trouble. What, you popped your San eyes. San Francisco up, like, one and a half. One and a half. See, that's. Wow. I think the line will move a little bit before then. Yeah, I don't. But, you think it's going to go up? Yeah, for San Francisco. See, I, I, I mean, usually it narrows. You know, usually it starts wider and narrows. But there's now McCaffrey kind of landed on his head in that last game, but he's not hurt or anything, right? No, I don't. I think he'll yeah. be okay. And I agree yeah. with you. I think the I think the Niners win comfortably. I mean, I don't think yeah. they run away with it, no. uh, but I think that they they do well. Yeah, it'll be interesting though, because you know, because you know, and there was there was a period of time when there was only one week between the championship games and the Super Bowl, and you know, then they, they but most of the time it's been two, and I think for the longest time people thought that some of the reason that a lot of times the Super Bowl wasn't a very close game was because you had two weeks, and so you had chances to scheme. But, of course, everybody has chances to scheme, so it, it goes both ways. But I think, to me, I mean, it, you know, Kyle Shanahan's a great coach, I think, but I think, that, I think the two weeks to scheme really helps the Chiefs. Because I think if I had to pick a coaching staff, I would take, I would take Andy Reid. And I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see the kind of game plan it comes down to. But I just feel like on paper that, the Niners defense is going to be able to handle Kansas city's offense. Um, but it just comes down to Pat Mahomes, you know, and it's just, he's just this playoffs in particular. He's just, he has become more than the gunslinger, great quarterback that I think he was in his first couple of seasons. Right. And I think, you know, when, when you have Tyree kill and a strong arm, uh, I think it goes a long way toward helping you just be like, Hey, just throw it deep. Right. And that bailed out Mahomes plenty of times. But as he has matured into his game, he's become a much smarter quarterback. He's become a safer quarterback, but certainly still will be a gunslinger when he needs to. And obviously, if the, if the game, if they do get down seven or 10, I mean, you, you better believe Mahomes is going to throw it 100 times if he has to, right? Um, and I think, I think so, one yeah. of the big things also is going to be, I think the Niners are going to do their best to try to take away Kelsey and Rice. So yeah. these fringe receivers are going to have to step up and do what they haven't been doing a whole lot of. I mean, Kadarius, Tony, MVS, Watson, yeah. um, they're, I mean, cause they're going to be single coverage cause there's yeah. going to be double coverage on rice and on Kelsey. Uh, maybe yeah. even Pacheco out of the backfield, just, you know, somebody spying on him and making sure he doesn't break away. So it's got to, I mean, those receivers really have to kind of, come into their own for one game, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, if I'm Andy Reid, I'm like, or um, if I'm Shanahan, I'm like, you're going to have to beat me with Pacheco, right? And if, because I'm going to put somebody, I'm going to put a safety at the line of scrimmage or a linebacker that pops Kelsey every single time, every every possible chance I can get, knock him off his route, break up the timing. I'm probably going to do, you know, some sort of man with cover, you know, with, with safety help, if I can, on Rice, to your point, 
and then I'm going to let the rest of my defense, I'm going to let them man up on, on Watson and whoever else, right? I mean, Valdez, Scantling, and well, Kadarius Tony's back. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, and, and I like, look, if you beat me with Isaiah Pacheco, Pacheco and, uh, and Kadarius Tony, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? Good on you, I say. Um, but, uh, yeah, see, I was thinking back to that Lions Niners game, and I think the real, the real kicker for that, for that game, obviously, you know, the fourth down stop and the helmet catch were crazy, but it was that that next fumble that was the big thing because as soon as that happens, Christian McCaffrey's back in the game, you know, when they're down fourteen points or if they were down seventeen, it's pretty hard to just turn around and run the ball, you know. And yeah, McCaffrey catches a lot of passes out of the backfield, but if you can take away a running game, especially when it's McCaffrey, I think that's huge. And then all of a sudden when the game gets close, it gets down to seven points. Now McCaffrey's back in the game and you can run your entire offense. And I think, I mean, I see a world in which Kansas City wins this game by A, jumping out early, right? like they did against the Ravens. They got two early touchdown drives. They, they're going to need to do that against the Niners. They're going to need early scores or turnovers, right? I mean, let's face it. If you know anybody turns the ball over two or three times, they're probably going to lose the game. Um, but I, I don't – barring that, I like, like we've talked about, I, I just don't – I don't see the Chiefs being able to hold them under 21, 24 points at best. And I'm just not sure the Chiefs' offense can put that much up against San Francisco. I don't know. So, so you're picking the Niners. Who are you yes. wanting to win? Um, I think I want the Niners to win, which is different for me because I, you know, I was a kid. You know, oh, I was going to say you're a Joe Montana guy. Of course, you want the Niners. No, to no, win. no, no. No, I mean, I, I, the Niners are, I think, a much more likable team now than they used to be. Um, you know, I and I, I like. I like the, I like their game. I like the way that they play. You know, I'm not, I mean, I, you know, I mean, again, nothing against Lamar Jackson as an athlete and a player. I'm not, I'm not into the quarterback scramble as my offense game. Um, I love the Purdy story, you know, uh, I think, you know, that, that Mr. Irrelevant to Super Bowl champ would be phenomenal. Right. McCaffrey is just hard to not like McCaffrey. And then, you know, you, then you mix in Debo, you mix in that that great defense. I mean, they're they're a fun team to watch. They're an explosive team, um, good on both sides of the ball. And I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a Patriots fan. I don't really want the Chiefs to be a dynasty. You know, I don't really want. I don't. I mean, I love that Pat Mahomes is great. I, I one of the things I like about Brady is that he won three out of four to start, right? Then he didn't win for a decade, right? Now, they were undefeated and should have won, but, you know, helmet catch and the Giants beat him, right? And then Manningham, right, beats him. You know, but to, to then come 10 years, I mean, the dude really earned it, you know? He really earned it. He earned a 20-year career. And I mean, obviously anybody who has a 20-year career earns it. But, you know, Mahomes, I don't want to say he's had an easy road, because I mean it hasn't been easy, but I want to see I want to see the Chiefs, you know, give me ten and six, give me nine and seven, give me eleven and five, give me a couple of years where you're not in the big game, and then build it back. You know, I, I want to see that 
I don't want to see 20 years of dominance. I don't think he's playing for 20 years anyway, frankly. I don't think he'll play that long because nobody does. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't hate the Chiefs. I don't love the Chiefs. I mean, if Mahomes wouldn't have gone to Tech, I'd be pulling for the Niners. Like I said, I'm a homer, right? I want to see Mahomes do well. Um, Big fan. Big fan of his. Watched him in college and continue to watch him through the NFL. And honestly, you drive through this town on a Sunday, you see a lot of Chiefs flags because of the the homer aspect of it now. Right. Well, he still comes back and stuff, right? I mean, he still – He comes back a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There is a huge following now from this area and Tech fans with the Chiefs due to the fact that – He's still a huge part of this town and West right. Texas. So, right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, hey, look, I mean, he's tremendous talent, tremendous quarterback, great story. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't wish him any ill, but yeah, I don't know. I'd kind of like to, kind of, I'm not, I'm not an underdog guy, right? I mean, I'm, you know, some people are just like, they hate, they hate the, people hated the Patriots because they were great. People hated the Yankees because they're great, you know, and I, I get that, but I'm not like a, give me the underdog all the time. So are you, you're, you're not a big, you're not a huge underdog guy, right? I mean, that's not your MO generally, is it? I mean, I like the underdog a lot of the time, but yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the guy that I stick with, with who I like, whether they're yeah. the underdogs or not. So, yeah. um, Underdog stories are fun when they're beating the teams of my friends and family. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. That'd, that'd be an interesting segment. You know, different types of sports fans. Maybe it's a little too cerebral for D4, but, you know, because, uh, like, you know, like I've said, I, I love excellence. I love to watch teams that are great, you know, and not that I'm a bandwagon guy, but, I mean, watching the Bulls in the 80s, it was tremendous basketball. Or even even the Warriors, even LeBron. I'm mean, I'm not a LeBron fan, but I mean, you know, he's played great basketball. Even Shaquille O'Neal, I was not a Shaquille fan, right? I don't know, I don't know what it was about Shaq. I just didn't, it didn't want to do it for me. But you know, I like to watch great play, you know, and and sustained excellence. I think is is tremendous. So I'm not a, I don't jump on the underdog just for the underdog's sake. But some people do, right? And then some people are just like, well, wherever I'm at, right? I mean, I I support my home team, period. You know, and and uh, that's fine. I mean, you know, it's all different ways to enjoy enjoy sports. But uh. and I think just real quick, in regards to March Madness, right? Let's take what you kind of talked about yeah. and, and put it in the March Madness realm. That first weekend, absolutely, give me the underdog story. That's oh, fun yeah. seeing somebody right. get beat. But right. you get me to the Elite Eight and the Final Four, please, please, give me the best teams. I want to see yeah. the best teams go at it. Now I know we've recently had a one in a six or a sixteen beat a one, right? So you yeah. don't have that best team. Yeah. But for the elite eight, I want the best eight teams to just go at it. So the first yeah. weekend, absolutely, give me some fun upsets. But then after that, let's have the elite play because yeah. that's what you want to watch. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Let Let's just segue that right into our our last call here because talking about greatness and eliteness. I got the Caitlin watch, Caitlin Clark, 65 points is all she needs to set the record. And I, I dug a little deeper, 28 three-point shots is all she needs. So I think that's almost a guarantee, right? Yeah, uh, she'll get it. She's up to 28.1 points per game. She's got to get to 28.4. She's come up almost a full point since we've been tracking this. 
She needs 123 total field goals to to break that record. That's a lot. That's a lot. But eh, she's got it. I mean, if, you know, if they if they make it all the way to the NCAA championship, those stats count. So so she'll she's got a shot there. The one I don't think she has is to be the all-time free throw leader, she'd have to make 195 free throws, which I think is out of reach. That's not so, happening. Yeah. But yeah, Caitlin Clark continues to just be unbelievable. Butter sculpture and all. You got a last That's shot crazy. for me? Last call? Butter sculpture. <laughs> I mean, that that should be a story in and of itself, right? Well, like, why do you have that? that? But, you know, somebody has a pure stroke, they just call it butter, right? Oh, I mean, maybe that's that's a part of it as well. But yeah. um, no, I'm kind of looking back over some of this stuff. The Pistons, you know, they beat the Thunder, but they haven't won in their past three games. Um, no, looks like they're back lost by double way. digits in, in all three. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Pistons are going to be the Pistons, even though I said that uh, Charlotte's going to go that yeah. route as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. no, well, all, Pist- all I really want to say is, is you know, in these these final shot is just have fun this weekend with the Super Bowl. This is like we talked about. This is a fun party weekend. Um, hmm. Do it responsibly, but at the same time, enjoy your friends, enjoy your family, enjoy the game and the good food mm-hmm. and drinks. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of eating, a lot of eating that goes on in Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, we, we, we've come back to the U.S., right? And uh, we went to Joey B's on the hill. And the hill is the big Italian neighborhood here in South St. Louis. And Joey B's, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know how long it's been around, but it's, it's been around a while. My son actually worked at one as a server, uh, you know, for, for a, a time being, the one out west. But we go to Joey B's on the hill. And look, I mean, it's kind of stereotypical. Oh, American portion sizes are huge. But I'm telling you, Dustin... <laughs> my wife and daughter both ordered pasta. Karen got tortellini and it was four full meals. She ate a ton that night. She had it twice more. I had it once for lunch <laughs> until we could finally polish it off. I had a pork cutlet, me and Tommy DeVito having a cutlet with, you know, mashed potatoes and green beans. I mean, it was like a chicken fried steak, basically kind of thing. I couldn't, I got half of it down at the restaurant and then had a huge lunch the next day. Allie had a big pasta cone broccoli. I don't even think she finished it. I think, again, it was three stupefyingly large portion sizes at Joey B's on the Hill. That's like the spirit of the Super Bowl right there. Right. For those who have not ever been to an American Super Bowl party, those of us who are listening in the UK, or maybe just for some reason you choose to abstain, but, you know, man... The amount of chicken wings that go down this weekend is pretty extraordinary. And I will be doing my part as I enjoy the game and don't have to watch it at midnight, which is refreshing. Very nice. Yeah. And I, I will do my best as well. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, appreciate it. And we will talk to you again. D4 says goodbye.
D4 Sports is brought to you by Don and Dustin. And by our sponsors, Sports and Day Drinking. Special thanks go to Trey Klein for providing the music behind D4 and all our friends and family for supporting us throughout this episode.